Thank you for listening to the BJJ Brick Podcast. We'll be bringing you Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and good times. We hope to flatten your Jiu-Jitsu learning curve, help you get the most out of your grappling ability, and meet your goals both on and off the mat. Welcome back, my friends, to episode 185 of the BJJ Brick Podcast. <laughs> another week uh, gone by, and we have another great interview to bring uh, the listening audience. Uh, Sarah Durat is uh, stopping by. She's a brown belt, really doing great uh, competing and coaching. So uh, really excited to bring her to the audience. And uh, yeah, it'll be happening very quickly here. Yep, and uh, you know, congratulations to Sarah. She just uh, won uh, brown belt at the Pan Ams here uh, last month. So uh, uh, incredible accomplishment. Absolutely, and before the interview happens, uh, I talk with the with the person I'm going to interview and kind of give them a little heads up, and, and I said something like, uh, hey, if we make a mistake or if you want to do something over again, just let me know, and I'll edit that part out. I want, I want it to be a smooth uh, interview, and she said, hey, can we have a uh, secret word, uh, a safe word, and that means that uh, I want to talk off air, and I said, Sh- you know, sure, kind of a different thing. And so uh, at the end of the interview, after it's all over, we'll come back, Gary and I will, and then we'll play a little clip of our edited out uh, secret uh, conversation. I've, I've already shared it with her. She thinks it's hilarious. So uh, Sarah had me laughing like the whole time uh, off air because uh, just the little, she would yell out the, the, the code word or the safe word and uh, have a question or a comment off air. So it, uh, great time talking with Sarah. So uh, this is, will be a fun interview to share with everybody. So definitely stay tuned to the middle of the show and do not miss that. Um, hey, speaking of not missing uh, that interview or any of these podcasts, uh, check out our email list. Uh, we have a link to it on the show notes. Uh, just put it in your email. And each and every week, hot and fresh, just like how we like our donuts, you will have the show notes delivered right to your inbox. So you'll never miss a show. If you are in your first year of grappling and you find yourself in a situation where None of the techniques you're really working on are working all that great for you. Well, we've got an audiobook for you, your first year of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. It's $11.99. It's me talking to you for about two and a half hours. And one of the chapters is techniques you should be focusing on. You might just be focusing on the wrong things. It's important to remember that just because you're in a class and you're, you're learning things doesn't mean that class is necessarily perfectly geared towards people just starting jujitsu. If there if it's a beginner's class, perfect. That you know, you're gonna be learning those fundamentals and the basic techniques. But if you're just in the class, which most people are, they just have a class to go to, you'll have uh, brown and black belts and people that have been training for one day in the same class, learning the same techniques. And that can be pretty rough your first year. And so it's really important to figure out what you need to learn. And this audiobook, your first year of BJJ, will help you determine which techniques you should really focus on during that first year of your grappling. So uh, check it out. All the money goes and helps the show. Help us to keep going. And uh, yeah, it. Uh, I hope it could help you out. Yep, it'll definitely keep this brick afloat. Gary, I've got a quote this week by H. Jackson Brown Jr. And uh, we'll okay. Hold on, <laughs> H. Jackson Brown Jr. H. Jackson Brown Jr. Okay, it's safe. It seems like a real quote. Uh, Gary's referring to last week when I kind of pulled a little joke on the guy, and he got it about three minutes later. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm not very, very fast. Well, a lot of pressure here on the stage. You know, you, you're trying to just, you know, roll with the punches, and sometimes a punch slips by. But uh, this quote, uh, find a job you like, and you add five days a week to every week. And, you know, that's, I guess that's true. And we're not really talking about employment here on this podcast. But if you have a job you enjoy, you really open up your week as far as quality of life and, and your living and, you know, going to work with a smiling face. But let's change this quote slightly. Find a way to exercise and you'll add all those hours back to your life and make them enjoyable. And I think that is a big thing that jiu-jitsu does for us. It is an amazing workout and most of us are doing it and having a great time uh, training. Yeah, and you know, you, you talk about how it's an amazing workout, but you know what I like so much about jiu-jitsu is not just the workout part or the self-defense part or, or choking people out or twisting arms. You know, it's the camaraderie. So even though you get an amazing workout, you're also lowering your stress level, you know, by hanging out with a bunch of good guys and having a great time. So, um, you know, if you find any type of workout that you like, and it doesn't necessarily have to be jujitsu, it can be CrossFit, it can be basketball, it can be football, uh, um, whatever. But uh, as long as you're active and it's, you know, it's going to make those you know, five days, seven days, however many days you train, you know, that much better because cause you're going to have fun. And, uh, you know, kind of like our our uh, quote from last week, uh, you know, you're going to reap the rewards, you know, in the future. Yeah, and our official stance on the camaraderie in jiu-jitsu is that it's very good and all the other sports are definitely lacking compared to jiu-jitsu with the, with, with the camaraderie that we build. But just uh, <laughs> kind of joking aside, anybody involved in any other sports, but just imagine you know having a tough day at work. Uh, a lot of your coworkers may not even really be on the same team with you. They might be trying to to get the promotion instead of you, and so there's some you know shady stuff going on, some backstabbing, and kind of your guard is up all day long, and uh, you just you might be kind of in a, in a rough environment. Come to Jitsu. Everybody on that mat is here to have a good time, and they're here to help you get better at Jitsu. That is a great place to be, great way to either start or end your day, and it just kind of gets you back where you need to be. And so I think that these two things, uh, enjoying your workout, and like Gary brought up, the camaraderie, are, are two benefits that we don't even think about. I know people quit Jitsu because they feel like they're not getting any better, or they feel like they can't get any better than they, uh, yeah, I got my blue belt, this is probably as good as I'm going to get, I'll stop right here. You're forgetting all these other great things that Jitsu does for you. Just to be able to go hang out with a bunch of fun people, have a good time, and it counts as a legitimate, crazy, good exercise program. Uh, yeah, there's a lot going on other than just learning how to fight. And uh, so that's uh, just, I think Gary and I are both pretty happy that Jiu-Jitsu is in our lives and it's, it's brought a lot of good things to both of us. Yep. Uh, you know, Byron and I trained this this morning at open mat and uh, we've been training at the same place uh, you know every saturday morning for the longest time and when somebody asked me to describe the atmosphere on saturday morning i always say it's a social club where some jujitsu breaks out i mean we're all great friends we all have fun we we make fun of one another and uh and you know we just enjoy our time i mean but we do work hard i mean i I actually rolled for, you know, an hour and 50 minutes straight with one person today. But, uh, you know, before rolling and after rolling, uh, you know, there were chokes, you know, there were more jokes and chokes. So we had a great time. Yeah. Well, I got there a little after Gary and he'd already told everybody about the, 
the prank I did last week. <laughs> yeah, him. you know, yeah, I even tell about the pranks, you know, against me. I'll tell everybody about. Which are rare. Usually Gary's sharing pranks that he's done on other people. But yeah. uh, <laughs> a good one is uh, is always going to be fun to share with anybody. But uh, yeah, so that's our quote. And think about it during your work week. If you could make a slight change at work and suddenly enjoy it a ton more, and maybe you get paid a little bit less or maybe you know, a little bit of a struggle to learn a new skill at that job. But uh, really adding five days, if you work five days a week, uh, back to the enjoyable status of your life could be worth a ton of uh, time, money, and energy, that sort of thing. So, uh, yeah, there's a, a nice quote by H. Jackson Brown, Jr. Yep. Hey, Byron, uh, peanut butter. Yeah, what's up, man? Hey, I think we should get on to uh, – we should move along from this and get on to our interview with uh, Sarah Drop. Okay, but I won't cut that out. I'm going to leave that in this time. That will be the one time we, we peanut buttered and kept it. Perfect. <laughs> He is the most interesting grappler in the world. He once drilled so long, BP endorsed him. When he signs up for a tournament, his opponents typically announce their retirement. His choking game is so strong, every party he attends becomes a slumber party. Some say keep your friends close and your enemies closer. I have choked all my friends and my enemies are nowhere to be found. Let the sweat times roll, my friends. All right, my friends, I'm happy to bring Sarah Durat to the BJJ Brick Podcast. Sarah, welcome to the show. Hello, hello. It's good to have you on here. You've got a lot of experience. You've kind of... uh, You've been doing jiu-jitsu for quite a while, You've done a little bit of MMA, and uh, overcome some obstacles that have been put in front of you. Uh, but just kind of give us a little introduction to, to who you are, what you're doing, and uh, where you're located. Okay. So, yeah, my name is Sarah Draught. I've been training since 2005 to just get fit with the women's Muay Thai kickboxing, and it led to quite a journey. I started training jiu-jitsu. Uh, through that and I actually started my school in Vernon shut down so then I started with the with the gi jiu-jitsu started training gi jiu-jitsu and I had one trainer who I want to mention who's just amazing Dave Belanger and he brought me from not even knowing to what protein was to spent a lot of time with me and is a big reason why I'm such an athlete I am today so we we've always kept training and stand up in Muay Thai and then, and yeah, I kept doing gi jiu-jitsu. And then eventually I moved to Kelowna with Jordan. And that was actually a funny story because he was a blue belt here at the time. And I trained in Vernon. We just hated each other. I just absolutely <laughs> hated him. Like I was, you know, I wasn't that old. I was 20 year old, snotty teen. And he was in his party years. And when we wrestled, like I wanted to draw blood. Like I go to pass his guard trying to drop elbows and, Jordan is training in Kelowna at the time, about 45 minutes from Vernon, and he's winning all these medals. And I'm going to tournaments, and I'm not, I'm not winning anything. And I'm like, man, I'm going to message Jordan, see if I can train with this guy. And, we, like, and I message him, not sure, not sure if he'd be welcoming or not or what. And he's like, yeah, yeah, come train. And I'm like, okay, awesome. So I started training in Kelowna, and Jordan actually gifted me part of his business to go in business with him, teach Muay Thai there, to teach Muay Thai here in Kelowna. And the rest is history. Like we work together and it's the, it's like something out of a movie with what we've done with our gyms too. Um, We lived above the gym, no walls, ran out of heat. 
that kind of stuff and worked a whole bunch of jobs, started this little gym. And then one day we decided, you know what, we're going to sign a massive lease and we're going to give it everything we got. And either we fail big or we, we grow big. And it's been quite a journey. He's like, he's like the best older brother I ever had. And it's really cool how someone we hated each other and we grew into this, into such a good friendship. And now he's my best friend and older brother. So that's where I am today. Uh, coaching, I'm part owner of Pacific Top Team Kelowna and Jordan's the, the main owner. And I'm a brown belt in jiu-jitsu. I still love teaching the women's Muay Thai. We actually have the biggest women's Muay Thai program in Canada. And the story behind growing that program in Canada too is when I, when I used to train it, you know, when I was back 17, I was like, guys were teaching it and they're a little bit creepy and they just get a good vibe. And I'm like, man, I want to build a women's Muay Thai program that I've always wanted. I want to build what I always wanted. And I, I had the most amazing opportunity to do that here. And that was through such a strong background training under Dave Belanger and Brian Jones, a Vernon boxing coach, such a strong background to stand up being able to do that. And now we have such a great women's Muay Thai program. And some of them are better kickboxers than me now. I'll never tell them that. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, that's that's like, you know, uh, 12 years in a really quick nutshell. A little overview there. Have you uh, been pretty busy with competition-wise for jiu-jitsu? Yes, yes. So um, I moved to mostly jiu-jitsu. Like I had a a crazy-ass car accident in 2011. And just after that... I'm not like there's it's training the Muay Thai stand up is hard for me. So I moved to jujitsu and jujitsu is I've been competing a lot in that and absolutely love it. It's very, very technical. And what I like about it is it's very, very raw. You can't fake what you do in the jujitsu competition match. Like so much stuff in life can act like um, you're having a good day, even though you're having a really bad day. People look totally different with makeup and clothes and everything than what they actually are. And the really, you can fake everything in this life. And the really cool thing about training to jujitsu and the next level is competing in jujitsu is it's, it's raw. Like when I go into my tournament, like I went to, uh, I just competed at Pan Am's and I go into the tournament. It's my training against her training, my, my conditioning against her conditioning. Um, whether, whether I'm even a better competitor that day, that also has a big play in it. And the mindset, how mentally strong I am compared to her. And it all, it all intertwines into that day. But it's very, very raw and very real. You can't BS it. If I don't do my wrestling or if I don't do my homework or if I'm eating crap, it's going to show in the tournament. That's what I just, I just love about it. Um, big aspect of the competing. But, yeah, I just competed in Pan Ams. Um, I competed in, yeah, Pan Ams at Brown. I got my Brown two months ago. So yeah, I got gold at Pan Am's. I was pretty excited about because I wasn't sure it would look like going in there. Um, and then Seattle, I competed last year, August in Seattle and got double gold in my division, which was really cool. Um, having said that, it took a while to build up after that, after my injuries and stuff like that. I came back and it was pretty tough to come back on the mats, being off the mats for uh, for four years. And the jiu-jitsu evolves. That's the beauty of jiu-jitsu is it's forever evolving. You're off the mats, you're going to miss that. You miss that train, you know, got to always stay on the mats and stuff that worked. Guard breaks I used to teach six years ago. I don't teach today because there's seven counters to them. I teach different ones. And that's just the cool thing about jiu-jitsu. It's not stale. Yeah. Wow. It's, it, uh, yeah, it is always changing. Uh, 
You mentioned that you have a very strong uh, Muay Thai program for women there. And, uh, of course, do you have a separate program for Jiu-Jitsu for women, or is everybody together? You know what? I did start um, – I did teach women's Jiu-Jitsu a little bit, and I might start a women's program again. I found in our club there was – there's a greater need for a drilling class. Um, so because it's a greater need for a drilling class, having the foundational strong movements, just doing them again and again and again, because, um, learning a jiu-jitsu technique, there's like, there's a couple different levels. There's the mind knowing it and remembering it. And then there's the body learning it. And then there's the body understanding it and it moving into muscle memory. So there's different levels. And I found there was a bigger need for that. So I actually teach a drilling class, which a lot of the ladies come to just because, you know, having a female instructor, there's different movements and different techniques that work really well being, um, being a, for, for a female sometimes. Um, so I teach a drilling class at the moment, but I am looking to build a, a women's program too in the, in the jiu-jitsu. But I find a lot of them, it is a male-dominated sport. There are a lot of guys that train, so it's really good for the girls to get to know all the guys and all the guys in the club are absolutely amazing. Yeah. You got me curious about the drilling class now. Um, what would that look like? Is it just like we're going to do the same sweep over and over again, or is it uh, more uh, like just get into position and drill this position for a little bit? What, what is your thoughts with that? Um, so there's three black belts I do want to mention because their names will come up. One is Jordan Reichenbach, my business partner and best friend. The other is Dave Rothwell. He owns Pacific Top Team Vernon and very gifted, moved here from Vancouver. And JP, who owns Pacific Top Team Corona. So between these three black belts, they all have amazing jiu-jitsu and different styles. So the drilling class. When I was coming back to the mats after my surgeries, it was the biggest challenge ever because I missed four years of training. And being a purple belt and competing in the largest tournaments in the world, I'm like, man, this is so hard. Um, JP worked with me a lot and set up a year of drills. Now, these years, of, this year of drills was all guard passing, and it was the same things again and again. And after those drills started, I started building off of those. Um, so with my drilling class, we're actually moving through the sequence that JP gave me. And what we do is we work on, I'm showing them, okay, this is guard pass A and this is guard pass B. And then I'll show them that and we'll work on that now off of guard pass A, sorry, guard break A, that you're going to do a guard pass from that break. Guard break B, you're doing a guard pass from that guard break B. So, and then I just, I've been working on those two, guard break A and guard break B and working on passes from those and an hour really isn't a lot of time to fit to fit it in but I get the students homeworks which you're working on so it's like we're working on a b c d and then we're going to go back to a then we're going to work on a b c and then we're going to go back to a b and then we're going to go a b c to e f and then go back to a so I do a lot of review but keep adding new little things here and there that sounds like a very uh, effective class uh, that's going on there. Um, I'd be uh, doing a disservice to not talk about your your women's Muay Thai program because I've never had anybody on here that's that's had something like that. What are most of the people uh, or women? What are most of the women uh, looking for when they sign up for this sort of a class? Oh man, it's so it's so awesome, so diverse. So with the women coming in the door, there's a million different reasons. Um, some of them is just to get fit. Some of them, they're tired of the traditional boot camp workout. 
some of them it's well probably not even all of them know it but self-confidence too is so big other ones have come from abusive relationships and so there's a, a those are the biggest ones i found the fitness learning a new martial art and just healing from you know abusive relationships getting getting that anger out and that's why we do create a very very safe environment and the really neat thing is is i have women coming from all walks of life all ages and they go on that mat and they're all there for the same reason. I have them all wearing the same, my, my Muay Thai tanks, because then it's, again, it's, it's a team thing. And it's really cool to see a lady that's never, it doesn't matter if they've trained or not. It's really cool to see a lady. I actually get really excited. I've had no, someone that has never trained in their life because I can take this person who's never even done a push up and teach them everything right. And actually I have one girl who's been training with us, uh, Sarah Sterling, for, she's been with us for seven years. And she is phenomenal. Her technique is phenomenal. Her even her skipping, she's crossovers, double unders, all this stuff. It's just so cool to be able to teach someone from not knowing anything to being a phenomenal athlete and being able to teach them the art of Muay, the art of Muay Thai. It's hardly like they come in here for fitness, and I'm like, but what I'm what we're teaching them is so much more. It's how the body moves. It's breathing. It's body awareness. It's balance. It's it's mental strength and there's just so much to that to that aspect and it's really cool for me to see my ladies journey starting from the first class they started a year down the road just seeing the difference in their confidence and their energy and their strength in their technique of the Muay Thai and seeing their body move a completely different way and I've actually had um quite a few times where ladies will be in abusive relationships and they just, they just can't leave. They just don't have that confidence or strength to leave. But when they join the Muay Thai program, they're like, you know what? Like I, I do have a say and I am, and I am strong and I can do this. So it's been really cool to see some ladies make that transition too. So it's not a that abusive relationship. It's not so much about being able to, to hit the guy and, and, and kick him is more about building that confidence to say, you know, I could, I could leave the situation and do far better and uh, I don't need this guy around anymore. And is, is that kind of what, what you see as far as long-term uh, success with the, with the program for women who are having that in that, in that, <clears throat> in that tough spot? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And they just, they just have that self value, I guess is the best way to say it where, yeah, they don't have to put up with that anymore. I do run into, like I do, I teach a lot of women's self-defense workshops as well. And it's quite a misconception where people are like, I want to learn Muay Thai so I can punch someone in the face or defend myself. And I'm like, honestly, you want to learn jiu-jitsu for that. So the women's Muay Thai is a phenomenal gateway program to get them into jiu-jitsu. And because I'm like, when you do your real self-defense, that's going to be jiu-jitsu. I worked at a roses which is a bar down here and it there's fights every weekend like jordan and i worked there security went back working our jobs didn't have a lot of money right getting the gyms going and there'd be fights every weekend and i used jujitsu someone came at me swinging double leg takedown to neon belly just that i'm like when i explained ladies i'm like if you go to punch someone in the face i teach my self-defense workshops and to my girls in class if i go to punch somebody in the face and if they're bigger than me um, what's, what's going to happen. It could very well escalate the situation. My hand is broken. The police come, both of us are at fault. It's just a mess. Whereas with jujitsu, if you can get someone a rear naked choke or, or hold them in an arm bar to the police get there, it's a controlled situation. And the beauty of jujitsu is when people train it on, on a daily basis, two, three times a week, the, the movements become 
muscle memory. Um, and then they're able to defend themselves if need be. And that's what happened when I worked at Roses. Like a lot of the guys were bigger than me, but it was, it was jujitsu. I'm like, I, I only punched someone, I think twice in the two years I worked there. I, I can't imagine a nice place uh, with the name of Roses. Uh, people are going there and fighting all the time. <laughs> I know. Hey, it, was a, it was a great place. It was actually right on the waterfront pub. It was really great. We had an amazing security team when I worked there. It was a great place to work, but we did security. <laughs> you know, Roses, that's what it was called. <laughs> so, so you use that Muay Thai program and expose them a little bit to Jiu-Jitsu or you just talk about Jiu-Jitsu or are you kind of bringing in elements of uh, Jiu-Jitsu to the class and trying to get them to, to kind of discover it from there? Oh, absolutely. See, I teach them jiu-jitsu and they have no idea I'm teaching them jiu-jitsu. Um, I do like the same. I do. We have a Pacific top team warm up where the instructor counts one through five students count six through 10 and it just brings the energy up. We do. We do like triangles. We do bridges. We do some jiu-jitsu moves in there or I'll do drills where uh, the girls have someone else in their guard. and They're punching the focus mitts, breaking the guard, going to knee on belly. But I turn it into they punch during the drill. One partner has the pads, one partner has the gloves. So they're punching during the drill. But the concept is when they go to their jiu-jitsu class, they're like, oh, you know, this, this warm-up's familiar. Oh, you know, I know neon belly. So that it's not something totally foreign. They know more than they think they do. So that's something that I do <laughs> to, um, they don't even realize they're doing a bit of jiu-jitsu. I'm and tricky with that. <laughs> yeah. Kind of smooth the process over, and, and the more familiarity you have, just something that you're trying that you think is totally new to you, the more likely that you'll, oh, I know this, and, and that's that's not so bad. And uh, exactly. yeah, that's that's a pretty cool, uh, I guess, strategy or, or thing you're doing there to, to help get more women into jujitsu. Uh, you've mentioned you were in a car accident 2011, and you were gone yes. for four years from training. Uh, four was, years. Was that all? I mean, how severe was this accident? Um, so I was actually, everything about it was wrong. Everything about it was wrong. Um, I was in, I was actually, let's start with the journey of, I was getting ready to be an ultimate fighter an the ultimate fighter UFC. Like I done really well in my Sanchez fights or working on the groundwork. Like I was just doing super, super well. And they were just, it was going to be the first season where they allowed a co-ed season with the women on the show. I am now I was driving and I had old man that, T-boned me through two lanes of highway traffic. Um, it's by the grace of God that I, I didn't die. Like, it was crazy. So I ended up, yeah, I ended up, like, crossways, both lanes facing me and being able to move to the meridian middle of the road so I didn't get hit again. It, it totaled the car, but the biggest, the hardest part about the accident was I had uh, my foot jammed on the brake in order not to, to you know, try to stop before he hit me. Um and then that jammed up my whole hip. So my whole right side, it tore a whole bunch of the cartilage in there. And I ended up getting sort of uh, an amazing lawyer, uh, John Cameron, absolutely amazing lawyer. And I was like, I, he's like, well, what do you, what do you really want? I'm like, I want to get on the mats as soon as possible again. I was like, that's, that's what I want. So they ended up getting me the best surgeon in Canada. And it was a big process going through all those hoops and all that. And, and I ended up, getting the surgery and that's where I want to mention too. Joel from prime physiotherapy is absolutely phenomenal. Very, very gifted. And he trains jujitsu too. So he knows the movements, he knows um, how everything works. He understands the process. So he helped me a lot during this time, but having hip surgery was, was massive because jujitsu, it's all your movement, stand up. It's all your movement. And I couldn't go without it because it's like, there's glass. Like I couldn't even train. I felt like there's glass in my hip. 
So the surgery is supposed to take like 20 minutes, end up being quite a few hours. And the surgeon did a, like a good job. Like he cleaned it up in there. And because, um, and then right after that, because my weight was on my left side for so long, as soon as I was back in training, my knee went on my left side and I had to get another surgery for my meniscus, that tore. They thought it was on the ligaments. So I was lucky that it wasn't the, the ligaments. Um, yeah. So then that went. And then I ended up having to recover from that with a lot of help, again, from Joel, helping get me in surgery and all that jazz. So it was just, it was just a lot of time off the mats and a lot of time. I worked on the business, right? That's what I did in that time. But it was detrimental to my career. Like I didn't go into ultimate fighter. And now to do Muay Thai on long bases is hard. It's hard on my body. It's hard on my knee and hard on my hip. So that's why I've moved to do a lot of jiu-jitsu. So in a sense, yeah, it is. It is very heartbreaking in a sense because that that was my journey that was what I was going to do but also I'm like you know what you make you make the best of it and so my journey's taken a different turn now I'm like okay I'm back in jiu-jitsu doing this and I remember coming back um, to competitions in purple belt after being off the mats for four years was so insanely hard and that's the thing is you always hear people that are champions you always hear oh they won Pan Ams oh this was great this was awesome I'm like man coming back from my surgery my, one of my first matches is it was at, it was in Penticton and it was a Canadian Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Federation. And I got choked out under a minute out cold, boom, under like, it was like, it was, I think it was like 20 seconds, something stupid like that. And I was like, Oh, and that's the thing is these type of failures, they like either put a fire in your ass or you go, fuck, I never want to do this again. And that was me. I'm like, what am I doing? What am I doing? How the hell am I going to get back to this competition level? I'm like, I can, my freaking my knee still isn't 100 percent. like this is a mess like what am I doing how am I going to get back there why should I even do this like you know I'm 29 like this is a joke but the thing is as mad as it made me I'm like I'm going to put a fire under my ass and that's one of the strongest things through my whole career is like I'm not going to quit jiu-jitsu because there isn't it's like sometimes people sign up for jiu-jitsu because you know we do a lot of sales in the building and stuff like that too they're like oh jiu-jitsu is always going to be awesome I'm like no jiu-jitsu it's it's as hard as it is good. It's like life. It goes up and down. And there's going to be times where it's like for months, oh man, it really sucks. But that just makes the victory so much sweeter. That just makes it so much better when you win it. So me winning Brown at Pan Am's, like all I did is I put my head down and I just trained very smart, smartest I've ever trained and the hardest I've ever trained. And, and I was like, that's, man, there's a lot of failures before this win. And, but that made my win so big for me. Like it was just massive. And that's one thing too, like where I think people just don't, you know, they expect it to always be great. And I'm like, man, it's challenging, but that's why it's such an admired and respected sport. You're not going to get your black belt in in a year. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be a journey, but as soon as you start that journey, you almost get lost in the journey because there's so much to learn along the way, not only about the art, but also about ourselves, also about myself. Yeah. A, a lot going on there. Um, uh, I want to touch up a little bit more about the injuries. Uh, do you have any lasting effects from that car accident? Oh, yeah. Like my, um, they told me my hip will probably have arthritis and I can already feel it. I can feel it has arthritis. What happened was because they had to dislocate the hip to go in there and they actually cut through a whole bunch of the lower abs, a whole bunch of stuff like that. It was, um, now, like I had my right side, I've, I've trouble with my right side, like my right side of my lower back is 
like constantly it's going out because I'm just always throwing my back on that side because they cut through what's a big part of what supports the lower back on the right side is the core on the right side. Um, so I've been working on strengthening that, working on getting the movement back. The biggest thing I find now is traveling for long periods. It, I don't, it, it hurts like a mofo traveling, sitting on a plane for a long time or a car for a long time. It just hurts like crazy. Um, I take a lot of fish oils and stuff like that because there is, there is arthritis in there and I can feel it. And I don't know what that looks like, whether like they told me it might be a hip replacement down the road, but I'm like, right now I can, I'm making sure to take lots of fish oil and to keep moving. Like as soon as I don't move, like don't do yoga and even being on the bike, stuff like that, it really starts to get sore. Um, yeah, so those are probably the biggest ones. I just have to be really careful with it. But yeah, as long as I'm careful and really aware, then I'm still able to compete. I don't know how long I'll be able to compete for, but I'm I'm riding the train. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds like uh, the, then that train's going pretty smoothly. Um, yeah, seems like it. <laughs> uh, well, I, of course, there's. You mentioned at the beginning of your career, you tried to compete, and it it was very tough for you. You definitely struggled with that, and then coming back, it was tough. Uh, mm-hmm. What do you say to somebody who is experiencing that? You know, they're, they're they want to compete, they want to do well but it's just not going right for them. It's not going right. Their injuries, work, time, family, all the excuses. I would say it's a really good question. I would say the some of the biggest things is why are they doing it? And I found I'm doing this because I love the sport. I love challenging myself. And something external isn't going to make that decision for me. Something external is not going to take away my jiu-jitsu, my martial arts. And even getting back on the mats getting back on the mats, even just for a little bit, even if they can't do everything, that just revives the love. Oh, this is why I'm doing it. And the second biggest thing is find the blessing. Find the blessing that's in disguise. When I was off the mats, instead of sitting there being like, oh, you know, I can't train. Okay, well, you know, I can still do a bit of arm workouts. I can really clean up my diet. The biggest thing is sports psychology books. The mind is... The mind is the engine of the car, right? The engine of the car. Sports psychology and there's so much going on. There's absolutely fascinating. A phenomenal book that I've read and studied and passed on is called The Mind Gym, An Athlete's Guide to Inner Excellence and it's by Gary Mack. Just a fantastic book. But the biggest thing I'd recommend is read a couple, rent a couple from the library, download a couple audiobooks and find what really speaks to you. And yeah, find the blessing disguise. What can I do instead of being on the mats? And and I, like when I blew my knee out, um, I couldn't do a lot, but I could do some things. I drilled arm bars for so long because I could do arm bars. And now like I won Pan Am's 2000, I think it's 2014 with an arm bar. I was last minute. I was down on point. She's passing my guard. It was like something epic from a movie. And I just whipped off the ugliest arm bar you've ever seen. Like, <laughs> And I remember stepping off the mats and George like, what was that? And I'm like, I would. He's like, don't ever do something that ugly again. And I was like, okay, that's a big brother, hey? Yeah. But that's the thing is, if I'd sat on the side and just been like, oh, no, I found little things I could do within reason. Obviously not aggravating the injuries because you need them to heal. They need their time to heal. But find the blessing in disguise. What is it? So first one like is, why am I doing this? And the next one is, find the blessing in disguise. Because I think probably one of the biggest things about my journey that I didn't even know till now is 
probably one of the reasons why I went through such a journey too is just to show people that are discouraged or frustrated that it is possible to make it through that and overcome that. You just need to to find how, but that is that is within our power. Sarah, you mentioned a little bit ago that you uh, you're training for Pan Ams at Brown Belt. Uh, you're training, uh, you're going to train. You train very hard and you train very smart. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of us can visualize what it's like to train very hard. What did you do differently to train smart? Train smart. Oh man. So it took me years to figure out, years to figure out. So working a lot with um, Jason, Jason Van Monfort, he is, like I said, a very, very gifted personal trainer movement. But a big thing that we talked about was training smart. He's like, like, so I'll give you an example. When we do our workouts, he's not like, okay, you're going to do 800 pushups. Okay, you're going to do 700 squats. Like I've done those workouts, but he's like, I'm going to show you this movement and we work a lot with kettlebells um, because with kettlebells, there's no cheating. You, you can't slow down. Like when you're done, you're done. You can't use different muscles. Like it's very, kettlebells keep you very, very honest. The movement has to be perfect for them to work. Otherwise they don't. But he's like, we're going to do this movement and we're going to do it until your time is up or you lose form. And I was like, oh, that's interesting because I've always gone just till time is up. He's like, because if you lose form, your brain is going to remember those those bad patterns. I want your brain to remember the perfect patterns. And the next time we'll do it, we'll be able to do a little bit more, but then those perfect patterns. And it's just the coolest things. I've never been so strong and learning the body movement when things line up. Um, yeah. And, and the other aspect I talked about is when I'm tired, he's like, when you're absolutely exhausted, like it drives me nuts now. People are like, Oh, I'm absolutely exhausted, but I'm going to still train. I'm like, that's where injuries happen. When you're overtraining and you're exhausted and you just really don't want to be there, and that that's where injuries happen. And there's there's always within reason. Like if I'm tired after a day of work, then you know you go 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 have your coffee and go on the mats. But if I'm absolutely exhausted and sore, that's when I blew my knee out. When mentally I was exhausted, physically I was sore and just really irritated. Like those are some of the signs of overtraining. That's that's when I should have taken that day off, but I still trained. So overtrains where injuries happen and training smart is mostly listening to listening to my body. It's like, okay, I'm going to, the most important thing to do is wrestling, wrestling and jujitsu and then technique. And then I do my conditioning. And then under that, I'll do some yoga and stuff like that. But it's just realizing where my body's at. Like when I've been exhausted, we use a heart rate monitor too, but when I'm tired, my heart rate doesn't go up. That's another thing Jason taught me. He's like, you know, we're tired today. We're going to do something easier. So instead of always pushing past that line, pushing past those limits is listening to how I feel today. And it's like, no, I'm not, I'm not being a sissy. It's the big picture. Cause today, if I'm, if I'm really tired and if I overtrain tonight, what does my training like tomorrow look like? And so he's really helped me see the bigger picture where, um, you know, today I'm feeling I'm tired, but I'm going to do jitsu tonight and I'm feeling good. And this is also going to allow me to train tomorrow because I'm not feeling too bad. Whereas if I'm absolutely exhausted, what is my training today going to make my training tomorrow look like? And, and it's the big picture. Like after training with him, I feel pretty good. I'm like, my muscles are tired, but I feel pretty good. So on the days when I felt mentally, mentally very tired, jiu-jitsu is really mental. If I'm mentally exhausted, then I don't train because my rounds are going to be crap because I'm mentally not there or physically absolutely exhausted. Well, my body can't handle it. So really listening to my body and really tapering the training so I can train my six days a week. Does that answer the question? Yeah, uh, it 
that that is interesting. Uh, really avoiding uh, taking damage to your body by kind of knowing when to take it easy a little bit and not just train you know as hard as you can all the time. And I I can relate. If I if I'm if I'm tired, I'm, that's okay. If I'm exhausted and I really feel like maybe probably should be sitting out right now or and and really you know borderline uh, pushing it too far, that's when I'm doing stuff that I probably shouldn't do. Like I know that if I either get this submission, that's my last chance. I'm not going to set this up again. I'm not going to go through the motion here. If I don't get it, they're going to pass or I'm in trouble. And so I put a little bit too much effort into one thing and I don't look for a transition or what's next. I just want to finish it right here. And uh, that's when, that's when some of my injuries have happened when I'm just pushing one thing too much because I, in the back of my mind, I know that I'm too tired to do thing number two or thing number three. Exactly. And if you, that's, yeah, you, you, you rephrased it really well. And if you watch, if you watch, just keep your eyes open. Boy, people, most common times they get injured is before tournaments. And I've done that. I've done that for years. Oh, I need that last big training session. Oh, I need that last big thing. It's like, no, you're you, like in the last two weeks before the tournament, you're starting to taper down. So by the time you walk in the mats, it's like, I miss jujitsu. I just want to wrestle. That's what you should feel like. Not being like, oh, I'm tired. Just get this match over with. Like you make yourself miss jujitsu. Like I don't train at all the week before. You know, I start tapering it down so that my body's fully healed. My mind's healed too. Mm-hmm. What, what advice would you have for a woman who's been training for a little while and uh, just done grappling jujitsu and she's interested in looking into MMA? Into MMA? Oh. I would say to work on her stand-up for sure, to work on the stand-up and to learn a couple. There's so much in stand-up and there's so much in jujitsu. Obviously, lots of sparring and stand-up within reason of taking care of themselves, not getting hit in the head too much. Um, Learning the foundations really strong. Stand-up. Make your jab super quick. Make your your cross strong as hell. Work on that round kick. Work on that switch kick and put a couple combinations together. Like, how much stand-up? Has this girl done any stand-up or none yet? This uh, theoretical or hypothetical girl, uh, basically none. She started jiu-jitsu for fun, uh, really got to, to like it, uh, competed a couple times, and now she's looking to, to change it up. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly the, the advice I gave, have those foundations really strong, depending on how long she has to train for the tournament, because the art of Muay Thai, there's so much to it. Biggest things I've seen is people not rotating through their cross, Um or rotating through that round kick. And that's where your power is. And in my training, when I would go into tournaments, like, yeah, I'd use all the punches, but when I threw my cross, it went through, it went through their block, like went right through. Another really cool thing, which um, Jason's also been talking about a lot, but he just took me on not too long ago. And I've learned a lot from him is as they're training their Muay Thai to bring up the strength in it, engaging their core. So how they do that, if they're throwing a cross, Breathe out during the cross, but breathe out and tighten their core. Like, you know how we hold a front plank and have everything tight and, you know, sit there tight for a minute or whatever. As they're throwing a cross, they're breathing out and tightening their core in that cross with the movement the same way they would with a plank. So I've been making jokes in class saying that it's a plank cross. But as soon as they, the girls have been engaging their core in with, it's conscious at first, right? But engaging their core, it's been like power has tripled so i'd say find those couple things 
you have your foundation strong jab cross round uh round and left kick and put a couple strong combinations together learn how to defend the takedowns couple takedowns and work on a takedown that you really want to do so just those staples that framework going to mma like i wouldn't be too worried about her groundwork because a lot of the girls in mma haven't done a lot of ground obviously research them but a lot of them done mma ground whereas gi jiu-jitsu is a lot more technical so i think they'd be fine on the ground so just working foundations and stand up knowing how to defend against a double leg takedown sprawling and having their own takedown they really like that's that's safe in mma you think that she would need to switch to nogi for a little while before she competes or just keep training absolutely. With- oh yeah absolutely absolutely thank you for bringing that up uh yeah she definitely want to switch to nogi and in her training she'd she'd want to do definitely rounds with just the mma gloves or bigger gloves but mma rounds to get used to the feel because it's different passing the guard in MMA than passing the guard in, in jiu-jitsu. Passing the guard in MMA, you're you're punching as you're passing, right? Bah, bah, bah. In jiu-jitsu, it's a lot safer, a lot slower, a lot more methodical. So, yeah, strengthening staples in the stand-up, learning a takedown or two that she likes, learning how to defend takedowns, and, of course, training how she's going to – training and what she's going to compete in. So, no gi jiu-jitsu, throwing the gloves on and, and giving her – having some fun with that. Sounds like a good plan. Uh, do you have any sponsors that you'd like to mention? Yes. So sponsored like sponsors I'd like to mention is BC Kimono. So Brett Cooper owns BC Kimonos. He always he always gears me up with absolutely phenomenal geese. Like these geese have been. I've had my first gear, I think about seven six years ago. I still have it. No tears, no rips. They all pass IBJJF standards absolutely great and brett's actually a black belt himself and he's been phenomenal to deal with in the business and um from prime physiotherapy joel krikska he is like i mentioned before like really really great physiotherapy and he's very honest like if you don't do your physio if you have a joke but if i don't do my physio it's like you're a bad person like get on it i don't don't even want to see you today (laughs) But, but he's very honest or when you're when you're good he's like hey i don't want to see you anymore but He's been absolutely phenomenal in movement and the rehabilitation. And he's a big reason too why I'm so strong and why I do as well as I do. To bring me back from two surgeries, like to strengthen me before the surgeries and bring me back from the surgeries is quite a task. And his heart's really in it, like working with the athletes. And also to Jason too, who's like I mentioned him a couple times, but it's just a very, very gifted in movement in his instruction, of course, professionalism, like just a great trainer and absolutely, absolutely worth it. And just, it's so cool the way that he works because it's like when we train, it's, it's hard and there's no cheating, but it's within reason. I still really enjoy it, but I'm stronger than I've ever been. And my movement is better than it's ever been. So really cool with that. And of course mentioned to my black belts, like, Jordan works with me daily on the mats to bring my jiu-jitsu to the next level. And he actually, he's worked with me since uh, when I first got my purple. Brought my jiu-jitsu to an incredible level. We joke, because before I, before he says I didn't really know jiu-jitsu, now we joke, you're actually doing jiu-jitsu, Sarah. I don't know, thanks, Jordan. Um, (laughs) And yeah, Dave Rothwell from, he's he's very gifted, but in a different way. I'm very lucky because I have three black belts to teach things a little bit of a different way. And Dave's just totally different style of jiu-jitsu, but he also takes out a lot of time to work with me and he helped me 
two in my in my window pan arms he's like you go really slow he's like you're gonna win on an advantage that's how you're gonna win you don't go in there you don't give her you don't bulldog you're slow methodical so um Jordan and Dave were big to my win in pan arms and JP is just a massive support where he I, I learn him and I learn in a similar way so him being able to coach me okay these are your drills these are your drills for the next year and um, I'm looking at going down to train with them for a month or so just to a training camp down there too but he's very he's like we call we, we joke about he's like the dictionary jiu-jitsu he just knows so much of jiu-jitsu I actually stand closer to him when he visits hoping by like osmosis I'll get a little bit better <laughs> <laughs> and he's okay with it he's like all right that's what you're gonna do and I'm like yep <laughs> Really, really great team. Very dynamic. Um, and I'm also, yeah, one other person I want to mention too is, yeah, even from my, my start days, like Dave Belanger and Brian Jones, they worked with me for years on my stand-up and brought me from like a girl that didn't know how to do a squat to where I am now. And I think my my Muay Thai program is a big testimony to to all the, the help that they've given me. Just old school training, just ingraining that cross into me. Just we would work on stuff with Dave where it'd be like, you're doing a round kick until I couldn't do it anymore, so I was so sore, and then the left kick, and then back to the round. So they spent a lot of time on me, and a lot they put a lot into me, and it was really cool for me to turn around. I had to move to Kelowna for, for my career with the gyms, but to turn around and be able to create a legacy out of that and be able to give that to all my girls. So that that was really, really cool. And so I'm going to move away from you guys, and I'm going to make a legacy out of it. <laughs> so, Yeah. We see your success on the mats, but uh, you can't forget that there's a good team behind you uh, helping you along the way because you can't do this by yourself. Oh, absolutely not. And just the the daily support from them and the encouragement and just their senses of humor and, you know, they remind me just not to take it too seriously because sometimes I do. Okay, I've got a tournament coming up. You know, this is the most important thing ever. And George's like, Sarah, it is important, but, you know, it's not life or death. Like, you still need to enjoy the sport. You still need to enjoy the training. And now I'm moving into my brown belt career. I have worlds and at the end of May, which I'm really excited about to see, cause it's just, they're so good, right? Super intense um, to see what my jitsu looks like against them. And again, it's like I mentioned before, it's really raw. My best against their best, my training against their training, my condition against their condition. And also the mental state of it. And, it's cool seeing myself relax more moving into Brown too, being like, you know what? It's a tournament. I'm going to win or I'm going to learn because that's how I'm going to take it. And for people moving into competing, should I compete? People want to know, should I do a tournament? I'm like, yes, absolutely. Do a tournament and either you're going to love it or you're going to hate it and never do it ever again. But there's nothing in life like going into a tournament, getting ready for it and stepping on the mats with some that you don't know. Or maybe you do know if it's a smaller tournament, but Going, going against and having that raw beauty. It is so cool. So I'd say absolutely. And for people's first tournaments, don't take it too seriously. Your battle isn't the tournament. Your battle isn't against other person. Your battle is almost against yourself, doing your first tournament for the first time. So I say the outcome does matter, but it doesn't. Because there's a lot of new stuff which shoots the nerves, like getting getting ready for the tournament, going to the venue that day, um, learning how to warm up for the tournament, stepping on the mat, and then someone's repping in these points. Like I'd say, try that. Their battles, just try it out and do it. Just be proud of yourself for doing it. And and if you don't like it, that's okay. Like, but still be proud of yourself. There's so many people in the world that will never step on the mat. But if you love it and you love the journey, well, you're you're in it for life, then kind of thing. So that's the thing. Take it seriously. 
but don't take it too seriously. We're doing this for fun. Nobody's going to die. And taking that pressure off of it has made it so much more fun for me. We made a tournament and for new people too, like learn the rules, go watch. There's a YouTube video, go uh, Google IBJJF rules, learn the rules. Cause that can be a difference between a loss or a win. And if you start learning about white belt, Man, you'd be doing so well. Just the basics. Like a guard pass is three points. A takedown is two points. But you, you ought to stabilize it for three seconds. So that's big things that people just don't know. So I've seen students lose matches just because they don't know. And I'm like, oh, man, you got to stabilize it kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, a, a lot of great advice. You mentioned world is around the corner. How can somebody like keep up with you and see how it's going? And, and just is there a good social media outlet for you? I am... Um, I'm posting on Instagram. Instagram, I post a lot of my training stuff. Um, yeah, and I do, I do. I have a Facebook page as well, which I've been posting on. Most of it's Instagram, though, so they can follow me at Sarah Drott on Instagram, or they can follow my Facebook fan page, and I'm going to be posting on both of those. Just yeah, just what the training looks like and fun stuff and hard stuff. Just just all of it. All right, sounds good. I'll put links to that in the show notes. Thank you. Well, Sarah, it's been a blast having you on the show here. Uh, it's been been fun getting to know you and learn from you and a little bit about your story. So thank you very much. No worries. It was an absolute pleasure from my side and hopefully um, reached out to, to a couple people and inspired them a bit in their journey. Whereas if it's if it, you're having fun, great. If it's a little bit challenging, that's okay. Just find a blessing in disguise and keep driving forward. Awesome. Thank you, Sarah. No worries. We'll talk to you soon. I would like to thank Sarah for uh, stopping by, uh, taking some time to uh, talk with us. And, and, you know, once again, I definitely want to congratulate her on winning uh, the Pan Ams there as a brown belt. Um, you know, a heck of an accomplishment, uh, you know, for a heck of a grappler and, uh, you know, just an incredible person. Yep. And really an amazing story of uh, overcoming a pretty big obstacle, you know, in a car accident that, uh, you know, is barely survivable you know in many respects she could have died that day and uh it cost her a lot of her time on the mat you know she lost about four years there of training and uh she's now that she's back she's back and she's uh, competing a lot and she's really uh getting into coaching uh definitely recommend you find her on uh, social media and you add her to keep up with her because she's a fun person to, to keep up with uh speaking about her being fun uh, well, should we play the little peanut butter clip here, Gary? I think that'll be good, Byron. Do you have any questions for me before we get going? Sounds pretty straightforward. Okay, yeah, it is pretty easy. And if you do have a question for me or something comes up, just... Should I, should I say freeze? Should we have a code word? Peanut butter? That means stop. <laughs> peanut butter! That's a safe word. It means stop. <laughs> that's, pretty, that's pretty funny. We should have a, like a safety code word. Like, okay, we could do peanut butter. <laughs> like peanut butter, and then you got to stop. Usually I just go, stop. usually I was like... Hey, uh, Sarah, <laughs> like that. But if I say peanut butter, it's going to be cut. And I'll probably put it in the bloopers. Anyway. Yeah, let's put it in the bloopers. <laughs> peanut butter. Oh, oh this is going to be a blast. I can tell already. A stand-up in the amateur record. And I moved to um, peanut butter. All right. I like, um, your, uh, like so, your style. <laughs> I know. So what I'm thinking is... <laughs> How extensive do you want this? Like peanut butter. Like, do you want me to go just a big overview kick? Then I've had some crazy car acts and moved to jujitsu. Is that is that what you're looking for, kind of thing? That's like, good. Um, um, Dave is in Vernon and JP 
is, yeah, in Corona. He owns PTT Corona. Peanut butter. Okay. I can explain those black belts better. Okay. You just you just uh, start where you started last time, I guess. That's good. Okay. We did security. <laughs> you know? Roses, that's what it was called. <laughs> so you, you kind of use that. You're teaching the, the Muay Thai classes, and you kind of... Uh, can it can it droop? <clears throat> See, I got peanut butter on that one. Peanut butter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you use that Muay Thai program. What supports that lower back? It's the front of the core, right? Sorry, I'm just doing a podcast. Peanut butter. Just that's our safe word. Doing a podcast. That was weird. Okay, um, let's back up a little bit. Supporting the lower back. Yeah, so my right side because. Um, probably one of the best ones I read is the Mind Gym. I can't remember who it's by, but I'll, I'll find it. Um, peanut butter. Yeah. Should I? Should I reference books? Yeah, that's fine. Okay, just give me one second. Let me find out who this is, so I don't sound like a loser. Um. I've already taken care of that part of the uh, podcast. <laughs> oh, how do you? Sounded like a loser, you know. Oh. I got I got that that part covered. Oh my gosh! No! 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 Um. Yes, there we go. Okay, I'm just going to mention this one book. Okay. okay, I'm ready. His heart's really in it, like working with the athletes. And um, who's the other one? Peanut butter. Okay. That's actually that's actually me and my boyfriend saying for it. If we're bored, if we're somewhere and we're bored, I'll look at him and be like, peanut butter. And then, and then we'll leave. So that's our safe word. Or I'll say peanut butter sandwich or something. We know that's time to go because we're both bored. Uh, you're like at somebody's house and you don't want to say anything like that. And, yeah. yeah and don't, you don't want to ruin it now if somebody listens to it. And she always talks about peanut butter around me. Oh, well, that's okay. Our word <laughs> has been changed. It needs to be changed anyway. It was old. So it's actually going to be mentioned that. Yeah. We'll, we'll get a new safe word. There you go. <laughs> Well, peanut butter and jelly time. Uh, that was a first for the BJJ Brick podcast, somebody wanting a safe word. I don't know. I might bring that back. I might uh, ask the person to uh, pick a safe word and we'll have something and then uh, and we'll have fun with that. I think that's a good way to kind of lighten things up. Yeah, I think it's a good idea on this show. But I, I think if uh, you're rolling with somebody and they come to the gym for the first time, I, I don't think a safe word would work really that well. Um, I just think, uh, especially if it's between a male and a female, might uh, uh, be a little awkward <laughs> and uh, um, not really knowing where you're going. So you might want to stay away from it in uh, in uh, on the mat setting. Yeah, I can see where you're going with that one, Gary, and I'm also going to stay away from that. <laughs> you got to stay safe, my friends. As usual, I totally took this uh, totally off the tracks, just like last week uh, when I was talking about methamphetamine. So, um, you know, I do apologize once again, Byron. <laughs> oh, good time. But I'm glad you're you're back to normal. Yep, I got your back, Byron, literally. Oh, that's good. Back to normal turned into I got your back. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, if you enjoy the podcast, there is something you could do to help us out. Uh, go to patreon.com. There'll be a link to it in the show notes. And you could support the show for the price of a candy bar or a cup of coffee or a mouth guard or whatever you want to to quantify it in. It means a ton to us. We have a handful of very loyal people on there supporting the show, and they have really helped us overcome some hurdles. We're looking to do some things in the future. 
We don't quite have the funds to do that. We would like an app. That would be kind of cool. We'd like to do a little bit of traveling to, to some of the major tournaments. We don't quite have the funds to do that. We're not really close to that. Uh, <laughs> it's not going to happen this year, it looks like, Gary. But some things we'd like to do uh, to make this show as good as possible. And uh, and Patreon might be the ticket to do that. And if you want to swing by there and say, hey, these guys are uh, producing something that I want to support. This is something that I really enjoy listening to. I want to be here in the long run. Go by and uh, pledge a dollar a show. And uh, once a month, uh, your pledges will add up and the, the Patreon will charge you uh, usually $4 for the month, and uh, if they, you if you do a dollar per show, and also you get a uh, BJJ Brick Gee Patch for your uh, pledges there, so a uh, little reward or a little thank you from us to you, and uh, we will mail that Gee Patch internationally. We do have quite a bit of international support, so uh, thank you guys so much that that are on the Patreon, and if you're interested, go by and check it out, and uh, hopefully, it, it's something that you would be happy to support. Hello, my friends. This is Byron. I'm coming at you from the editing room. And I'm just having a little bit of an issue with how to edit this next part. And next up, we have the article of the week with our friend Joe Thomas, who wrote this. And I want to play that for you now. But heads up, though, before we called Joe, I called Joe and presented an idea that we could do a prank on Gary. The prank was this. We talk a little bit and then throw an idea to Gary. The other person would then intercept the conversation and uh, kind of interrupt Gary and not let him talk. And we'd throw it back and forth, uh, and this would understandably uh, kind of get a little frustrating to Gary. So that's what we did. Uh, you're not going to hear that. First, you're going to hear us talking about the article. Then you're going to uh, hear us talking about the prank after we discussed that, because the prank had already happened. And then I'll go ahead and play the prank that we did on Gary and uh, you could kind of watch him squirm and try to watch us try to intercept it. I think Joe does a better job than I do, and he also does a better job of trying to throw it to Gary. I just kind of throw it, in, and I uh, don't really call Gary out like Joe did, so he did a little better job all around. But uh, it was a lot of fun getting Joe in on the prank on Gary this time, and uh, it's becoming quite the theme to the show is to have fun at Gary's expense. So I just want to give you a heads up. You'll hear the article. You'll hear us talk about a prank at the end of the article, and then you'll go ahead and hear the prank, and we'll get back to the show as it's going. So the article, live sparring, free rolling. Um, check your ego at the door is the first point I made, and it's uh, it's important in all aspects of jujitsu, but probably most important when you're free rolling. I think you guys would agree that if you don't uh, get your ego in check, you're asking for injuries, and you're asking for a frustrating time on the mat. Uh, you're setting yourself up to miss opportunities. Um, I know if your ego's not checked, you're not going to want to roll with the guys that can beat you. And you're just going to miss out on a lot. So I'm sure you guys would agree with that. Yeah, I can tell you, you know, when I first started rolling, you know, I had that ego going and uh, um, I would not tap I or I wouldn't tap quickly. And every night I'd go home with sore limbs and, uh, um, as you said, frustrated. Uh, the one thing is I, I'm very uh, uh, stubborn, so it didn't lead me to quit. It just led me to keep training because I wanted to get better. But I'm not gonna. I didn't get better really until I, till I um, uh, checked my ego. Um, you know, then I started getting better. And and I know Byron was a big part of that. Um, what Byron did is on his forearm, he got a tattoo that said "Check yourself 
before you wreck yourself. <laughs> and, you know, he got it in gang script. And basically, a lot of times, Byron would show that to me every time before we rolled. And that was one thing that really kind of helped me. So I owe a lot of that to Byron. So thank you, Byron. That's that's the last thing you'd see is he was slipping that arm around for the I think this the ego thing kind of it goes two ways. Either you avoid people that you should train with, or you just get upset about your performance on the mat with your training, and you go home kind of grumpy and upset with yourself and disappointed. And both those are bad things for jujitsu. Uh, you've got to you've got to get that ego checked uh, immediately. You know you are going to get hurt if you can't figure that out. But in the long run, you've got to train people who give you a hard time, and you've got to feel good about it when you leave the mat. You've got to feel fortunate that you have training partners that could beat you, that could push you. And if you didn't, you'd be uh, in a place that's a lot harder to get better. So uh, both of those uh, you know, things are, are a big deal. And they, to me, they relate to having uh, too big of an ego or an ego that you want to protect. Uh, you should be happy you're at a great place to train. Absolutely. Joe, how about you talk about the next point? Breathe and relax. There's two main benefits to this. And, of course, the first one probably is that uh, you can actually get five minutes rolling in if you breathe and relax. Um, And maybe then another five minutes after that and another five minutes after that. The more time you can put on the mat, uh, the quicker you'll get better. And I I found that I can – I'm not going to say roll all night, but I can put a lot of rounds in as long as I don't – freak out and drain the gas tank in in one round so that's probably the first benefit but the other thing is you can't see what's going on around you and really analyze and learn if you're tense and stressed and and, uh uh spazzing out what i say you'll learn more losing calmly than winning by spazzing and scrambling like a wounded cougar yeah i agree with that I, i think at times where i have spazzed out you know let's say trying to get up from you know really heavy side pressure and you know instead of using you know being relaxed and uh you know being very technical i i kind of try to bench press my way out of there and all it leads to is i expose a limb that gets taken and uh, i'm tapping quickly so uh definitely got to stay relaxed and, and breathe next on the list is having specific and achievable goals and joe you mentioned that you're training with a lot of grapplers who are more skilled than you uh, and have they're just typically getting the better end of, of uh, the roles. How do you uh, have goals still when you're training with those type of people? Yeah, so a lot of the guys I train with, I couldn't submit them to save my life. But if I'm working on the Kimura, I can get a Kimura grip, you know. And, and so I might have a goal of just getting that locked up. And if I can do that three or four times in a, in a night, then I can go home and feel like I learned something, like I improved that part of my game a little bit. Um, sometimes it's as much as just being able to escape side control or just being able to get my frames in. You know, I, I know my limitations and, and I set goals that uh, I know I can achieve and, and learn a little bit from. Yeah, I'm with you on that one, Joe. Um, Byron knows the training partner I'm talking about, but I used to train with this really big athletic guy who was closing in on 300 pounds. And, and you know, I, there's no way I was going to submit this guy, but – I would uh, set a goal to, you know, just get off my back a little bit. You know, can I get a butterfly hook? Uh, like what you were talking about, frames. Can I get a good frame? And if I did that, 
that's kind of what I would try to do every time. And, and I would, I'd tap out 113 times in a, in a 20 minute period, but, you know, just doing a couple of those little things, I would feel like, uh, you know, I learned something and that's all that counted. 113 was the record. That wasn't typical, Gary. Well, no, 113 was the average. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The average. So, uh, um, you know, sometimes more, sometimes less. Joe, I like your next one. Uh, roll with everybody. And, uh, you know, you talk about how it's easy to fall into a habit of rolling, you know, with a few training partners. And, and you know, that's common. You do, you do have people that you kind of gravitate towards. You know, there's little groups in, in your, your, your school. And uh, a lot of times people, you know, gravitate towards that same person. Um, you know, and that definitely helps you. But you need to roll with everybody. Um, you know, Byron talks about this a lot to – to have the best environment, you need people better than you, you know, that are just going to make you work your defense that are, you know, you're really going to get put in a ton of bad positions, roll with people that are even with you, you know, and these are the matches where you're going to give everything. You're going to get very tired. You're trying to beat that person because maybe he beat you last time. He's doing the same to you and then position and then roll with uh training partners that aren't as good as you, you know, at this point, uh, kind of, you're going to, you know, maybe, uh, handicap yourself maybe you know roll without uh, grabbing grips or, or do different you know stuff like that to, you know work on technique work on just flowing um, so definitely uh, very important to roll with everybody in the gym and and everybody you come in contact with uh, not not necessarily a target I don't want you to pull a guard with a person in front of you at, you know the grocery store but um, you know go to different different gyms if they have open mats and uh, you know roll with everybody <laughs> Gary raises a good point here on your uh, line about rolling with everyone uh, everyone who's at jiu-jitsu class I think is what you're going for there Joe well you know everybody you pass on the streets basically a white belt in jiu-jitsu so Good point. <laughs> maybe, maybe fair game. I don't know. <laughs> we might get uh, some charges against us, but uh, who knows? Maybe, uh, maybe we'll get somebody else to start training. So, win-win situation. The charges are not a win, Gary. <laughs> well, no, Byron. You guys, you know, put a disclaimer on the podcast. We're not uh, <laughs> encouraging listeners to go out and engage in acts of violence. <laughs> Byron, you said the charges wouldn't work, but. There you could test out some serious street jujitsu because if you're in prison, you may have to, you know, go two on one. So um, it could work. There you go. Gary, you always look on the bright side. Yeah. The last point you have here, Joe, is not to be afraid of using the uh, open mat time uh, for positional sparring. I don't know how how acceptable that practice is from gym to gym, but, you know, where I train – Nobody's going to look down on you if you do that. Uh, in fact, I tweaked my ankle Thursday night and uh, more or less did just positional sparring for the rest of that class and for Friday night. Didn't feel like I had the strength in it to drive off. Certainly didn't want anybody to try and heel hook that ankle. So it's a good way to, to continue to get the work and, and to be safe and you know, maybe something you want to consider if you got a competition coming up and you want to work on your A game or something. I, I could see several reasons why it would be a good idea to do it in live rolling. Yeah, I definitely think it's a good idea, you know, for those points you, you make there. And, you know, definitely 
ask your training partner, you know, the guy you're, you're sparring with, uh, hey, you mind if we do positional sparring? You know, I hurt my ankle, my neck's hurting or whatever. And uh, I, I don't think anybody's going to have an issue with that. And, and if they do, they you know that maybe their goals are a little bit different but um i I know if somebody ever asked me that i would uh be 100 percent down to uh train how they need to train and and how to help them out so uh uh, yeah don't be afraid to use it you're an open mat especially if you're doing uh working on your defense nobody's gonna argue i don't think if you ask your training partner (laughs) hey would you mind starting in the mount position with me on bottom i don't think too many guys are going to complain about that <laughs> True. Yeah, that that is a that's a good point about just kind of uh, if you want to work top mount, maybe uh, trend you know trade halfway through and let them work top mount for a while as well, so uh, they feel like they're getting uh, a fair end of the deal on that one. You said I hope if it's okay to train this way, the positional sparring during open mat. If you were to watch two people positional spar for thirty seconds, you couldn't tell that they weren't actually rolling. Uh, it looks right. like rolling until the position either uh, concludes with a submission or a transitional uh, a change of, of positions, and then they reset. And that the only time it looks like okay, something's happening here that's different than usual. Uh, so yeah, it it's basically rolling, but with a lot of parameters about what you're doing. I was doing uh, back when I was really working hard on my leg drags. I had the easiest side control to escape. I, if I got a leg drag. Uh, get the side control or uh, try to get the back uh, and sure enough I let him escape right back to the guard and I'm going to do leg drag again I would get a lot of reps in my leg drag and they were I didn't have to ask about it I just didn't have that I wasn't tight uh, once I got my leg drag completed and that way I could get my uh, leg drag reps on anybody who wanted to play bottom game uh, that I was able to actually you know, get them started and not get swept myself so uh, sometimes you could just make it happen yeah, they didn't even know they were positional sparring. But they boy, and I thought my uh, I thought my side control skates were getting great. <laughs> I was uh, I was happy. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's a good point, Byron. You can always pick somebody who uh, you know plays a game that fits in with what you're trying to do. Like you said, you would do this with people that enjoyed playing the bottom game, so it came natural to them. Yeah, that yeah, that's a good way to look at it. Just, just pick so the right wanted, person. If you wanted to work your, if you wanted to work your daily heva or your X guard or something like that, find a training partner that you know likes to uh, do standing passes and, and and is on their feet a lot, and that gives you the opportunity to get to those positions. Great point, Joe. Thank you very much for hopping on here with us yet again. Uh, I urge everybody to stay tuned towards the end of the show. We have a little blooper section where Joe and myself pulled off a prank on Gary. What do you think about that, Gary? You know, oh, Gary, I, Gary doesn't really need to comment on that. <laughs> We've heard enough from Gary for today. Thanks for having me on, guys. <laughs> no, he says like a slam dunk. Uh, I don't even know why oh, I gave I the alley. <laughs> oh. If you guys could have seen my face, like every time Joe would say my name, what do you think about that? And then I'd start getting ready to talk, and then Byron would talk, and then right there, I was getting ready to talk, and then Joe started talking. <laughs> Like, I, I wish you guys had a camera on my face to be like, huh, what? Felt like the kid who's got no friends at the playground. <laughs> Somebody's got to be picked last. Yeah, yeah, uh, hey, that's me. <laughs> well, Gary, maybe next time you uh, call awesome. Joe up ahead of time and arrange a shenanigans, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> oh, thanks, Joe, for participating in this. That was fun. Now it's time for the prank. We set a little reminder here. 
that uh, either Joe or I would mention the word dog just to kind of key us into that the prank was on and just to make sure we're both on the same page. So here goes the prank where we don't let Gary talk very much. Why we're between articles, let me just say that I appreciate you guys having me on. I kind of feel like a lucky dog. <laughs> I, I think uh, it goes the other way. I think we're lucky to have you on, so thank you. There we go. Uh, we'll see about that, Gary. <laughs> no, but, you know, I mean, I'm not just saying this, but just hearing you talk, you know, I can hear the passion that you have for jujitsu. But, you know, the one thing is everything you talk about, you just talk about making your teammates better and helping them out. And like every uh, paragraph we go to and, you know, I just sit there and think, man, you guys are lucky to train with you. You know, it's I, I don't hear any, you know, yeah, my guard is this. My guard is that. It's like, yeah, I'm here to help out my teammates. You know, uh, it's give and take. And, uh, you know, that that's what it's all about. You know, there it's it's just awesome listening to you. So thank you. Appreciate it, man. All right. Uh, Joe, we'll introduce you, and uh, we'll have you introduce the article, I guess. Would that work out? Okay, sounds good. So, <clears throat> all right. Oh, hey, we're going to have this one. Let's just have Joe just go right into it. You know, like we're you went in the first one, I went the second one. Let's just, you know, just go we can have it. like, hey, this is uh, Joe Thomas from BJJ Brick. There Something we- like that, if you guys are okay with that one. Hello, everybody. This is Joe Thomas here with the guys from the BJJ Brick Podcast, bringing another article to you. This one is live sparring, free rolling. Get more out of it than just a good fight. How are you guys doing today? You're doing great. Oh, we're, we are doing great. Doing great. We're ready to, to get more than just a good fight. You know, I know Byron likes street fights, but, you know, I like live sparring, free rolling. That's <laughs> more fun for me. Joe, what do you have for us today? Well... This was the hardest of these three articles for me to write. Um, I feel like you're almost speaking to a a bit of a more intermediate or advanced grappler when you're talking about live sparring and free rolling. And I don't like to uh, get out of my lane and be given advice where I shouldn't. So I tried to uh, make my points geared more towards the beginner. And uh, obviously the first point that everybody makes is check your ego at the door. But it's never more important than when you're free rolling and live sparring uh if you don't check your ego you're going to get yourself hurt you're going to miss opportunities to learn i just uh i couldn't stress enough how important that one is uh gary what do you think about that that that, the ego is if you can't check the ego at the door you're going to get hurt you're going to get uh you're going to have a bad time like uh, if you go home and you're pissed about how your jiu-jitsu went uh, you're going to end up quitting. And in the long run, uh, when you quit because of your ego, uh, we failed to get you in the door correctly at all. Uh, one thing that Gary's good at is being able to breathe and relax and stay cool and calm on the mat. Uh, why is that such a big thing? Well, at Gary's age, I mean, I can see why it's a big thing. I'm about, I'm, I'm about the same age. And, uh, yeah, you, yeah, you got to pace yourself through the, uh, through the match, you can't get too deep in the gas tank and you'll be drained halfway through. So you got to breathe, yeah, you got to nice. be calm. And so, yeah, there's there's nothing like it. It's tough for us old guys, right, Gary? Yeah, yeah. you know, I'm just happy you to, gotta, to actually be able to breathe at this age. Yeah, you know, I, I didn't know if I'd he, make it this long. He's so having a, that's, that's a plus for me. Yeah, he's that's, that's Gary's big thing is that he's able to stay calm not be that wounded cougar, which you actually have in the article. That's really funny uh, that you mentioned the uh, wounded cougar spazzing out. 
uh, in the article. A little shout-out <laughs> to, to our man Gary there. And, uh, yeah, another <laughs> big deal. Uh, and, you know, it's another one like Gary. Like, he always has big goals, you know, when he's rolling. He's working on heel hooks this, you know, this month I'm going to do a lot of heel hooks, or this month it's Kimura's or this particular sweep. It seems like it's a really important thing to have a specific goal while you're rolling to get better. Would you agree to that? Yeah, I, th- I think especially for the beginner, because I think sometimes beginners can get a little uh, bummed out during live sparring because they don't feel they ever get any victories. But if you're rolling with somebody considerably better than you and you can just get to a position you want to work from, that's a victory. If you're trying to uh, work on Kimuras and there's nobody in class you can actually submit, if you can even lock on the Kimura grip, you know, that's a small but very specific goal you can have for the round, and then you can start to build your confidence on that stuff. What do you think, Gary? Yeah, Yeah, that's a big way to build confidence is to have that that goal and to be able to, to lock on to something like that and really just to move on. Uh, speaking about moving on, uh, you mentioned in here that you got to roll with everyone, and that's that is a big part of it. Uh, and you're going to find uh, competitive roles, easy roles, and then uh, roles that you really don't stand a good chance with. But uh, yeah, you'll benefit a lot if you train with everybody. Ain't that right, my friends? Yeah, you, you can't duck someone just because they seem to have your number. And it's, and it's not fair to your teammates if you're avoiding people because they don't give you as good a role as you want. Um, if you're rolling with somebody that's uh, not nearly as good as you or maybe they're smaller than you, uh, maybe you can handicap yourself a little bit and sort of still make it a, a productive role for both of you. You can maybe try only passing to your left or if you're rolling in the gi, you can avoid having gi grips and, you know, you don't even have to tell your training part you handicapped yourself and and you can both get something out of the role so i'd be interested to hear what gary has to say about that one yeah but uh, uh, real quick on that real, before he jumps in here did you think that handicapping somebody like that and, and getting them to uh, adjust their game is a big deal um into the actually training and rolling uh maybe even a bigger deal to not be afraid to use uh positional sparring during open mat that that makes sense if you can't get that time uh, to do your sp- positional sparring to take a little bit of that open mat time and to do some of that specific training and really wrap some things up in there. Uh, this, Joe, this has been outstanding. This is, I think, my favorite kind of uh, coverage of an article we've ever had on the podcast. Outstanding article, really in-depth discussion about it. Uh, uh, this has been amazing, Joe and Gary. I feel like it was, I feel like it was a lot of intelligent uh, back and forth, Byron. It's been nice. Hold on, hey, uh, hey! I just, I, you guys just called me up. Sorry, I think I just missed the episode. Uh, it oh, took me a second. Nice, I was nice like, I like that. It took me a second to get it. I was like, wait, did it? Joe just asked me, and Byron jumped in, and then the <laughs> second time I was like, what's Byron's problem? And the third time I was like, okay, they're messing with me. Third time's a charm, yeah. Gary. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. So, Gary, a uh, little background here. Uh, I called Joe <laughs> before I called you, and I uh, said, hey, why don't we mess with Gary? <laughs> and it didn't take a whole lot of uh, convincing to get a yes out of Joe. <laughs> oh, boy. Good yep, pick, pick on the old guy. Uh, old guy problems again. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So uh, a, a little bit more background. <laughs> 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 uh, 
we just recorded it, all everybody listening here. This is a you know kind of a uh, a blooper reel, I guess, or whatever. But we just recorded three things back to back about uh, these three articles that Joe has written, and I was a little concerned that we would both approach this last one here, and one or both of us would forget that the prank is going to happen. So I said, why don't we mention something about a dog before this, just to remind the other person that, yes, I remember the prank is on, and uh, and it's a go, and uh, Joe feels like a lucky dog. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm glad you guys are lucky because I'm not. <laughs> okay, now we have. Uh, let's talk about an article, guys. <laughs> yep, and also do not forget to tell all your buddies about uh, our show. We really appreciate it uh, when our listeners pass on our information to uh, other uh, other people that uh, may enjoy the show. So you know, definitely tell them about it and uh, tell them about our social media uh, outlets there. Also, you know, we're on Facebook. Uh, check us out there, uh, BJJ Brick. Um, also, check us out on YouTube. We have all the shows uh, loaded up to YouTube. We have a, a ton of uh, uh, technique. Uh, at, not technique, uh, what would you say, um, DVD reviews. Uh, uh, so a lot of stars have, you know, have a certain uh, uh, DVD set, um, you know, so Byron uh, reviews a lot of those. So definitely check those out. And, uh, you know, we appreciate you uh, checking us out on YouTube. Yep. Next week, my friends, Connor DeAngelis. He's a blue belt out of Autos. Uh, when I interviewed Dominique Bell, he said, you got to talk to this guy, Connor. And, uh, and I said, okay, and uh, really recommended him. He said he's going to be huge. Uh, he's really doing excellent uh, competing. He's really doing excellent in the uh, gym and the, on the mats there. And just tapping out a lot of well-known people and really performing at a very high level. And uh, so we get to meet him next week and learn what he's doing. So it's a little bit different of an interview, interviewing a blue belt versus normal upper belts. But uh, he's definitely an elite level competitor he's won tons of major events and uh looking forward to seeing him compete uh soon i hope as a purple belt so uh next week that interview will be fun uh, to bring you guys It'll be a little different and a lot of fun yep so make sure you don't miss it gary i think the peanut butter blooper reel has got you uh away from having to do the bgg brick audio book of the week that you have to make up every time and we are working on a matt tales hopefully next week i don't know i'm trying to get uh, a female voice i'm going to probably have my wife record it because it takes place uh in a female competitive setting and uh it'll be kind of fun to have a different voice do that so i'm hoping to get that done soon maybe next week uh but don't quote me on that depending on uh, how things go over here. But uh, we got a lot going on, Gary. Yeah, I actually don't think you would need your wife to record that. I have heard a lot of people say your voice is kind of feminine. So, I mean, you might just want to do that yourself, and I don't think they would know the difference. I I, I have not heard this, Gary. <laughs> this, this is a new thing. That, uh, that actually, I now you sound, you sound like an older lady. <laughs> That's what I go for, Gary. That, that makes now two of us that are old because we actually did one time get a review that uh, somebody asked about my voice. They, they said, how old is that guy? His voice is, <laughs> sounds really old. Uh, it so, gives you street you know, cred, Gary. Yeah, yep, definitely. Somehow. I need street cred. Yep. <laughs> well, catch us next week, my friends. It's been a pleasure. And if you're in the Wichita area, swing by and uh, get on the mats with us. 
send us an email at bjbrick at gmail.com or message us on our Facebook page and we'll get in touch with you and see if we can arrange some mat time. So you guys are always welcome to come by and train. Stay sweaty, my friends. And don't forget the code word. Thank you for listening. I hope you find the time today to roll. After all, the best way to get better at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is to do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. <laughs>